1: Now it's time for very serious football talk with the man who met his wife on a blind date, chaperoned by his parents.
2: They actually came along on the first date with us. There was a... No! I rode in the back seat. I was 22.
1: The man who needs to take
0: a minute to remember the names of all of his children. Do all of your kids have the same first letter?
2: (laughs) No, actually. Um, Let me think. Do any of them? Mason, Cole, Isabel and
0: Lucas. The man who can defend you in court but will probably choose not to. I'll capture this on a public setting right now. I am an aggressive cuddler in a consensual oh. sense.
2: <laughs> <laughs> on, officer.
0: Good grief, he's a pastor too? When does this guy sleep? You will you will find Seth Kaiser everywhere except for in his or your bed because not only does he not sleep, he's also a faithful husband. So that's, that's important. It's Seth Kaiser of The Athletic on Almost Entirely Sports. We've talked to Seth Kaiser often enough and consistently enough on Tuesdays on this show that I've genuinely run out of ways to say, hey, it's Seth and it's Tuesday. What fun it is to ride down the... One horse open show. I don't know. It's Christmas, Seth. Merry Christmas.
2: (laughs) Merry Christmas, Josh. I didn't expect such a festive uh, beginning. Me neither. We're doing Christmas stuff on the third, huh?
0: Yeah, I honestly, clearly, I didn't expect it either. Just sort of, I just hopped on the sleigh with one horse and let it take me where it wanted to go.
2: Nice. That's what they do. Horses are huge. They can take you wherever they want.
0: Are you a big Christmas music guy, or like, do you have a, t- a cutoff time in mind when you're like, "All right, before this is literally a sin," and you can say that because um, you have that authority? <laughs> do you do you have a, a hot Christmas music take?
2: I my Christmas music take is I'm generally not a big fan of it. Yeah. um It's you know I. I being who I am and believing what I do, I find most Christmas music to be kind of hoity-toity. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm like Mister. Like, you know, the only good Christmas song is "Oh Holy Night." You know, <laughs> so no one, no one needs my taste. Because it's the only song holy enough, and so I, I, I'm just not a big Christmas fan. Although, did you see uh, Antonio Brown's take on Christmas music? No. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe I get to fill you in on something. I'm so Antonio excited. Antonio Brown posted on Twitter a video clip of, of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You with a bunch of Patriots highlights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. I can't believe you didn't know that happened. No, I, I
0: didn't. I'm now Googling it to see for myself, then also Googling to see if I can get a video tattooed on my body, because that sounds incredible.
2: It's just so, it's just so, please, baby, please, that I just, oh man, it's sad. It's very sad.
0: That's, yeah, that is, uh, that's incredible. I look forward to seeing this very much. You said a second ago, you said you're not a big Christmas music fan, but then you said you're not a big Christmas fan. Is that true, or did you misspeak? Because I want to dig in on that.
2: I I didn't mean to misspeak. I like Christmas a lot. I I love my family. I love getting together with everyone. I obviously love the Christmas message. Um, I, I love almost everything there is to love about Christmas.
0: Except for the music, which, by the way, I'm not here to fight you on. I think that's totally... That's totally reasonable. I, I just... I,
2: it's I figured that most Christmas music wasn't holy enough for you. I, I kind of pegged you as a, as a guy who felt the same way as me on that.
0: Well, so, and what, you know, whenever you said being who you are, I thought you were saying that, like, litigiously, like, there's no way that Santa should have all the authority to check every list and also the ability to check it twice. Also, there have to be some labor laws you could get on, in on with how the elves are <laughs> overworked. I thought you were just looking at it from a more lawyerly perspective, saying, like, oh, this is messed up. <laughs>
2: It's right. You know, someone really should look into those things. They really, they really should. You should
0: dig into that. You don't have enough going on, right? You want to add some more lawyer work to your – that, is that under your purview? Do you need to go to a different type of school
2: for elf law? <laughs> I would think so. I don't think you get a lot of – although, you know, if you're going to get educated on elf law, Minnesota seems like a relatively decent – I mean, That's a great point. You know, how much, unless I'm going to go to Alaska or something. That's a great point.
0: Uh, well, and obviously they don't—they don't have—they don't, have, uh, don't have lawyers in Canada, so you couldn't—you have to go all the way to Alaska. There's no north above that. Is law different in Canada? Right. I mean, it has to be, right? Like that has to change a lot. By yes, they—they they have a different
2: constitution. Josh, yeah, and I mean, so- I know, but <laughs> like.
0: Is the, I'm trying to figure out why you said, like, is it just because you would have to start over from ground zero again in Canada? Like, that makes sense, I guess.
2: Yes, yes, okay. yeah. The, the Canada it would be a whole different ball of wax.
0: But also, Canada might be the place you need to go to really be able to, to you know, help out, uh, to help elves unionize. I don't know if you can do that in America.
2: Yeah. That's. I'll give that the consideration it deserves. Well,
0: <laughs> that is so dismissive because I know how much it deserves. Uh, that's, that's a good line, and I'm a little. I'm a little. That's one of my favorites.
2: That's one of my favorites. I, I give you permission to use it.
0: Yeah, I will. I will use it uh, judiciously, or at least I'll consider using it. I'll give it as much consideration as it deserves. Yeah. Let's talk about running back, Seth. It's been a while since what? we've had a, an excuse to do all of this. And, uh, by mm-hmm. the way, you can read all of Seth's work, as always, on TheAthletic.com. And you can also listen to the Times Ours podcast with uh, Seth and Nate Taylor and some other very handsome host that uh, that goes up every Monday and Friday. Feel free mm-hmm. Feel free to workshop a joke while I set it. You, it sound like you are ready. Go ahead.
2: No. No, I was just thinking as you talked, I, I thought this last episode, Mondays, which is available for anyone, um, that uh, I thought it was one of our best episodes yet in I terms of combining fun and in- information.
0: Yes, that's true. It was very, very good. Um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned f- Monday episodes are free wherever you get your pod- podcasts. Fridays are just for subscribers to The Athletic, which you should be doing by now anyway, because that's where all the writing is also. Um, but we, we talked a little bit there, and now you've written a film review on Darwin Thompson. It was, right. uh, it was a very late development in the uh, the Chiefs-Raiders game. But you, you took a look at Thompson. There's all the injuries. They signed Spencer Ware today. Um, we, we had kicked around maybe bringing back Marcus Marshall. We had kicked around maybe trying Turkendrick West again. He retires. So he announces that on Twitter today. So um, there's all of that movement there. And I actually, I want to just sort of follow the news. Whenever you look at, at Spencer Ware returning after the stretch he had with the Chiefs over the last few years, you think what?
2: I I like it. Um, The one thing is that something that's been a problem this year is Damian Williams keeps getting nicked up. Mm -hmm. Um, And LaShawn McCoy, I I can't really figure out what they're doing with McCoy. He looks fine when he's out there. I think he's played pretty well outside of the fumbling issue, which has cropped up for the first time in his career. But he's generally looked quick. He's looked like he's had a decent amount of burst. Um, Although we should return to the burst conversation when we start talking about Thompson. Yes. Because... They, there's a difference there. Um, he's generally been fine, but they're using him, I guess, maybe judiciously mm. would be the great word. I mean, they're very, they are not giving him a lot of touches. Mm-hmm. Um, Daryl Williams, I like just fine. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's okay. I think a healthy Spencer Ware is is a better player than Daryl Williams. It's just where, much like how William, uh, Damian Williams has been, man, there's so many Williams. So many Williams. Much like, much like how Damian Williams has been this year, where spent the last couple years with the Chiefs kind of just getting nicked up yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. And when he wasn't nicked up, he generally played very well. He runs with good power. He's got some quickness to him, a solid receiver. I, he, he's a decent running back. Just he kept doing it as well. He didn't look quite as explosive or quite as powerful. So that's the one thing with it. But, I mean, I assume if they're signing him, they ran him through a physical, and he's hopefully good to go. And I think that'll be great. He'll have fresh legs. And I I like Ware a lot as a player, at least how he's been in the past in Kansas City. So hopefully he's got a little bit of, uh, of something left in the tank.
0: And then so for Darwin Thompson, I mean, obviously we'll talk about the other stuff from from Chiefs Raiders, but this was where you went first. And I want to know what you ended up finding when you looked at Darwin Thompson more closely, but I want to know why you decided to start with Darwin Thompson out of that game.
2: Well, it was such a weird game, and some of the things that I really wanted to examine required all 22. Um, you know, why did Derek Carr never have anyone to throw to? And that's one thing I'm examining in the weekly film review that will be dropping tomorrow, um, looking at what the secondary did. I wanted to look at kind of what the other receivers are doing besides Hill and Kelsey, because Mahomes sure doesn't seem to trust a lot of other receivers right now. Yes. Um, or at least he's not throwing to them that much. So maybe it's not an issue of trust. Maybe they're just not open. Mm-hmm. Um, to look into that and I wanted to look at Mahomes himself obviously like I do every week I, that you know good quarterback analysis requires that you see the whole field whereas Thompson is a guy I've been really intrigued by I've kind of felt that he should be getting on the field a little bit more as the as the season has developed I really like what he did in preseason and I think he's got a skill set that fits perfectly into the offense and could really help and you can review him Without seeing the whole field, because sure. you just need to see the offensive line and the linebackers and the defensive line, and you can see all that with the uh, with the regular broadcast view. So that all kind of came together, and it had a. Really big response. A ton of people seem to enjoy it. I think he's a popular player right now. The unknown is always a very popular yes. player. Yes. The unknown with potential. And that's what he really flashed. And so what I set out to look at was, you know, it, it was obviously kind of, you could consider it garbage time, mm-hmm. if not at the beginning of the drive in the fourth quarter, which is worth noting. They took up like almost 10 minutes on this fourth quarter drive where Thompson had 11 carries for 44 yards, which is as many as the other running backs got combined throughout the game. Uh, It was kind of a garbage time thing. So I wanted to see, you know, was he making this stuff happen? Were the Raiders kind of giving up? What, what, what was he doing that allowed him to have success? And that's what I really wanted to dive into.
0: And on the uh, the the mass of carries he got at the end, he talked about it after the game some that he was tired. And then uh, Andy Reid yesterday out at the media availability, he was asked if it was like a load management thing, you know, for LaShawn McCoy. And Andy Reid said to a, a chorus of chuckles in the media room that it was more about a load management for Darwin Thompson. And it was that he was going to give him the ball until he couldn't give him the ball anymore, um, which obviously I think <laughs> – I think that that shows they're trying to see something from Darwin Thompson, yeah. and and they're trying to see what he can show. Garbage time, sure. This is better than preseason. These are still yeah. actual football players that are going to be on the roster again next week, and, and it's the yeah. actual Chiefs offensive line. One other thing that, and then I'll let you talk again. Um, but I was doing the the pregame <laughs> show on eight ten on Sunday with uh, Tim Grunhard. And and he brought up, and he mentioned earlier last week too on 810, but he brought up um, the the relationship between a running back and his offensive line. I had asked Austin Ryder about that a couple of weeks ago. He downplayed it, but but Grunny said that that really is a legitimate factor in you know building that chemistry, and those are 11 carries behind the starting offensive line that Thompson got there. So that all makes sense yeah. to me, um, but I'll ask you, I guess, is what did you actually see as we've justified that these carries do matter?
2: Right, and, and here's something to, to really kind of lay out the fact that they matter even more. This is an Oakland team, and their starters were still all out there. Most importantly, Jonathan Hankins, who, man, I wish the Chiefs would have found a way to pick him up mm. because he is a problem yeah. in the middle. Yeah. He is he is an excellent, excellent run defender, and the Chiefs interior couldn't handle him when they played back in week two. two. Yeah. Yes, sorry, I, I lost good. time for a minute there. I understand. In week frequently. two, and they, they couldn't handle him then, because if you remember when they played Oakland in week two, they, like, Shady averaged, like, one yard a carry or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And then, same thing, this week, the Chiefs could not run the ball at all. Darrell Williams had one 15-yard run, and I think he had, like, 13 for the game on, like, another four or five carries. He, he got stuffed every other carry. McCoy didn't have any real success running the ball either. Um, Between the two of them, I think they average like two yards a carry or something like that. And so there's value in that because what you have is a defense that's been solid, solid against the Chiefs offensive line. And part of that I think they're just more physical, they're bigger, they're stronger, and they do a good job penetrating and kind of wrecking some of that zone blocking scheme that you see in Kansas City. Um, And so it's valuable to say, okay, no one else on the Chiefs roster has been able to run on these guys all year and then he takes over in this final drive. And, and if you watch the film, they were still trying. This mm-hmm. wasn't like Oakland was like, oh, screw this, this is ridiculous. They were still whipping the Chiefs' interior line pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, they were still getting penetration, they were still preventing lanes from being opened up. It was really a lot of what Darwin Thompson was doing differently. So there's value in seeing that because the difference in running backs. Is usually in subtle things that are tough to see, unless you know you got some obvious guy that's like got incredible, you know, power, incredible speed. But the difference between a run being a success and a failure is often a a half second in how long it takes a runner to see an open lane and a half second in how quickly he can burst through it. And that's what Thompson showed multiple times. He, He identified cutback lanes and exploited them the way that I think he ought to. Um, he ran with more power than you'd think, considering he's kind of a smaller guy. Um, he, uh, he, at least he keeps his legs churning. If he gets hit from the side or has guys trying to drag him down, he generally does a pretty good job falling forward. Mm-hmm. He made a few guys miss. He got to the edge. He generally did everything right. He hit the holes. Other running backs just weren't hitting, at least not as quickly. And that was a big part of why he had success. It was often him making something when there wasn't a ton there to be had. And so that's impressive to me. And I think like Reed alluded to, when you give a back 11 carries on one drive, you're looking for something. How is he doing at the end of the drive? Is he holding up? And the end of the drive, he had that, that, that touchdown run where he kept his legs churning and powered through with an assist from Andrew Wiley. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's impressive that he finished strong. So, I personally saw a lot of things that made me say, huh, this guy should be getting the ball more. Um, Do I know whether he's a full-time guy? No, I don't, but I do know he looks, and to go back to the explosion issue with LaShawn McCoy, McCoy still looks somewhat explosive this year, though he's not what he was at his peak. But when you see Thompson accelerate, you can see a visible difference there, and that's important.
0: What do you see being the right role for him going forward because I've seen what I I mean I'm going to show my hand a little bit I guess but I've seen what I would call overreactions not from anything you just said but from you know Twitter the the hive mind about what he can be in terms mm-hmm. of you know role and player comparisons and all of that. But, but whenever you see all of those traits that the chiefs absolutely could use for all the times that you and I have talked about the air read offense, I would love for third and two to not be a nightmare. Um, whenever you look at what his role could be, what do you, what do you hope for?
2: I mean, if I were going to go for what I hope for, I'd love for him to be a guy that can take 60, 70% of the snaps and be kind of the primary guy. Um, by by primary with an asterisk, not primary the way Kareem Hunt was, right? Right. right. Um, but a guy who takes the majority of the snaps, uh, he he did take. It's worth noting, he, you know, he took, he had thirty four snaps against mm-hmm. the Raiders. So it's not like he only played at the end of the game. Absolutely, they just didn't really get him the ball much. Yeah. And so they were obviously testing him out in other situations as well, whether it's pass protection, mm-hmm. play action, running routes, that kind of stuff. I would love to see him, for one, get the ball in space. Yeah, He's got a lot of quickness, a lot of speed, runs very well. Um, I, I think he's a guy who could make some explosive plays in space, especially against linebackers. Uh, he did, wasn't asked to run a, a really detailed route tree in college, so I, I don't know if he can do some of the same things that like Damian Williams can do in terms of route running, but he's got – great quickness and great speed. So I think that'll kind of, if you are match up with a linebacker and you've got his athleticism, you don't necessarily need to be a great route runner. So I guess what I'd like to see would be at least him getting more more shots here over the next few weeks, just to see how he does hold up with increased volume. Because what they're doing right now in the run game, and you and I have talked a ton about the run game isn't that important, and it's not, but it's always better to be good at something than not be good at something. Absolutely. You know, even if it's something that doesn't move the needle that much, it still matters Mm. to an extent. You know, and so we always, you know, using hyperbole, all the run offense, run defense don't matter. They matter a little, just not as much as the pass offense and defense. And I think we've seen that with the Chiefs taking a huge down, backslide in, in their run game this year, that does affect the offense. And I would love to see him get an opportunity to see if, it is just the offensive line who get a lot of the blame from what i've seen you know out in those twitter streets Mm -hmm. you know people are really down on the offensive line or maybe with thompson out there it would look more like what it looked to close out the game in the fourth quarter against the raiders not overpowering but certainly competent and that would be a step up over what the run game has been most of the season
0: you you put out a a, a gif, which all, the video clip is also in the uh, in the article, uh, showing him in pass blocking. The the play he got called for the hold on, which was. You know, yeah. uh, which was really frustrating. I I, I don't think I could have thrown the flag on it, but uh, you know I understand that that's part of the concern. But then he learned from that mistake on the the next play that looked a lot like that. Um, if people want to check out that video. You can see it at Seth's uh, Twitter timeline at Real Chiefs fan, or in the article and the film review up on the Athletic right now. Um, you, you mentioned sort of the negativity about the offensive line. I I don't know if I'm out here boiling, uh, scalding hot takes about uh, negativity, but I. Definitely, keeping an eye on it, and and there's it's something that you touched on a little bit in a, a clip from earlier today, and I I know you're you're keeping an eye on it as you are reviewing Patrick Mahomes and everything. Right. Um, there were there were a lot of times in this game, and we've seen it a few times this year, but it it I don't know if I just finally had seen it enough to know that I was seeing it again or what, but there were so many of those snaps where where Mahomes takes the snap drops back and then just keeps dropping back. Like he's just keeping that same pace as if he was going to take a 50 step drop. And then he basically throws it like a, like a fadeaway jumper. And because he's Patrick Mahomes, a lot of those end up being decent throws um, even with, you know, footwork that you would not want in that spot. Ideally, it seems like he doesn't, it seems like he doesn't trust the interior of the offensive line. I'm not sure if he trusts anyone across the offensive line right now. How real do you think that is? How, how if that is what's happening, how fair do you think that is from Mahomes? And then what do they do about it if you agree with points one and two?
2: Sure. Um, what I'm seeing is there are snaps where Mahomes is running from ghosts at this point. Yeah. it's not It's not as often – as in the obvious comparison, even though it doesn't feel fair, because it feels like I'm always dogging the guy, but the obvious comparison would be to Alex Smith, and it's not as bad as Alex was. Alex tended to bail very quickly, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But Mahomes, you, you, that what you're talking about, you know, backing up that extra, you know, three or four steps, that changes a lot of things. It changes throwing lanes. It changes where he's at so it changes where Schwartz and Fisher are trying to block. Yeah. I mean that that's tough on tackles when you do that. And it also it makes every throw a little bit harder. You know, it might not seem like a lot to some, oh, well, it's only an extra 3 yards. I got to tell you 3 yards isn't nothing. Yeah. Especially when you're talking about making throws across the field. And so what I do see him backing up more and I see him big, Pockets more. Actually, this is going to go into the review tomorrow. Um, I'm not going to say Mahomes played poorly because I don't think he did. I, I do think he, much like with the Chargers game, um, he did not play as well as what we've seen from him, but he still played in a way, in my opinion, that well over half the NFL would take on any Sunday. Um, I, I do think the scale is different for him, though, yeah. obviously. Yeah. But in, on the first drive of the game, he had a clean pocket that he bailed out from the moment he saw the Raiders were executing a stunt against LBT and Schwartz. Mm-hmm. And it did, you know, he looked at the defender who was stunting inside and took off. He didn't even wait to see if if LBT picked up the block effectively, which he did, and so he ended up bailing out to the right side. It was a it was a ball that got thrown away, and because he bailed out, he didn't see that that Demarcus Robinson came open for what could have been a touchdown, mm. and that's not good. Those are the you know those missed shots, right, and happy feet snaps that Alex Smith used to really struggle with four, five, six times a game that don't show up in the box sheet really. You know they just because they just. It's not. It's not in anything. It's one incomplete pass, maybe, or maybe a well for a couple yards. Sure. So it doesn't show up as like a pick or a sack, but it can really hurt your team in opportunity cost. Yeah. Um, well, I saw that a few more times against the Raiders and the Chargers than I'm used to seeing, which is interesting because against Tennessee, he was absolutely face meltingly brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's a concern. And I noticed a couple snaps later on great throw that that he had to make the Travis Kelsey, it was a similar stunt that was executed and LDT just completely missed it. Mm-hmm. And there was immediate pressure. And that was one of those moments where you go, Oh. Yeah. So that's why I think Mahomes is having an issue there is he doesn't know what he's gonna get from one snap to a next. Yeah. And that's problematic. Especially when you've got a guy like L D T who has a pretty big contract. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's that's where I think some of the problems are stemming from. He's not sure how the offensive line is going to handle movement up front, which is a big deal with the Patriots coming up next because that's what they did to just wreck the offensive line both times they played last year.
0: Yeah, and so I do want to, like, peek ahead in that regard because, I mean, that feels like maybe the most exploitable matchup at this point. I mean, we've seen the Patriots. We saw them on Sunday night. We, that defense looked good I guess <laughs> against the Texans but that's the first time mm-hmm. that we've seen them look merely good since they lost to the Ravens and then that was the only other time like oh man this defense you know whenever good teams play them it, it can it can wobble a little bit but specifically the the matchup in the trenches there like for the problems the Chiefs has had running the ball that's largely by design I think you talk about um just the the guys they've given the money to across the the offensive fl- offensive line. It's not a bunch of Maulers like that's. They're not Vikings, like not not the Minnesotan ones. I'm thinking like like literal Vikings. They've they've paid guys to to pass block, but whenever that's a struggle, in the pass blocking. I get exceedingly nervous. I don't I don't know if, you know, how much of it needs to go to Mahomes maybe developing some bad habits and how nervous that makes me, which it makes me really nervous because I don't want to see this guy developing bad habits like that, obviously. Um, but, but even the, throughout the larger picture of the line and Mahomes in that relationship, what would you have them do differently? And if there's not a good answer to that, how concerning is it?
2: Um, I think with the line, some of the problems they're having is, in addition to the stunts and twists and that kind of stuff, which that's just a communication issue. Mm -hmm. Um, Andy Heck's a good offensive line coach. Mm -hmm. I, I trust them to work through that. Um, they struggled with it a bit more last year than I would have liked it. And it was consistent. Uh, but all you can do is work on your communication. Mm. You, you've got to understand and identify when those things are coming. Here's my slight, my, my more overarching concern that I'm not sure is going to go away. The chiefs have a bunch of guys in the line besides Mitch Schwartz that don't deal well with power rushers. Mm. Um, and that's across the board. Yeah, uh, you know Austin Ryder doesn't deal particularly well with them. He's I think he's a stronger player than Mitch Morse overall, but his technique isn't nearly as good, and so that that makes it tough. Uh, Wiley struggles with power rushers. LDT has struggled with power rushers. Um, And Fisher, that's kind of his weakness along the edge. And the problem when you've got guys who struggle with power rushers, I can't help but wonder how that affects their ability to handle stunts and twists because if you're bracing yourself, if you're so, okay, I know I need to overcompensate because I'm not quite as strong as this guy and all that stuff, does that make you a split second slower? in reacting to stunts and twists, whereas if you know you can handle a guy straight up, yeah. you can kind of lay back for a minute and see what he's going to do. Now, this is not, look, I'm not an O-line coach, and so sure. if there's an O-line coach listening who's just groaning, well, I apologize. <laughs> but that's something that I see is they, they, they appear to be really ready to take aggressive sets and trying to take on their, their defenders quickly in, in, the, in the pass protection sets that they take. Other than, again, Schwartz is the exception to all of this. He's just he's just awesome, okay. Yeah. Um, but when you have some of those issues, it just seems like they're trying to maybe compensate at times with aggressive sets, trying to be the aggressor and the initiator of contact, and they're just they're they're setting up, preparing for power rushes because if they don't, the entire pocket collapses on Mahomes way faster than I'm comfortable with. If you look at certain plays like like that awesome uh, third you know thirty plus yard throw, like forty yard throw to. Travis Kelsey on the left side of the field, he was getting some pressure there. There was another throw to the left side to Kelsey where the entire pocket kind of collapsed around him. So I think that's that's a problem. And some some part of me does wonder, again, if this is a line, like you said, that's designed specifically to be pass protection, they really need to be better at it. Yeah. Because some of the line seems like it was assembled more so to be good at executing a zone blocking system to be able to get out into space and do all that stuff. Well, One thing you sacrifice if you want more athletic guys, unless it's like Rodney Hudson, who's just a freak, you generally sacrifice power. And I think that's something the Chiefs have sacrificed up the middle, and you hear that talked about in terms of the run game quite a bit, but I do think that that matters in the passing game too. So that was a long road to a short thought that I do think some of those trust issues are earned. Some of them can definitely be worked on because this offensive line has been solid in pass protection in the past. So I think there will be some, some trial-by-error things now that guys are all healthy. Mm-hmm. But some of it might be systemic.
0: This season, for me, and to to that exact, that whole point, a long answer, but a, a good one, uh, even though, again, offensive line coaches, you can tweet Seth, that real MN Chiefs fan. Um, well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you sounded so difficult.
2: I Hey, I like learning. I would love to hear where I'm wrong. I I, I have several offensive line coaches that, that coach at various levels that I, that I run stuff by because it's important. Yeah. Ask people who know. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. Um, but if you're not an offensive line coach, stay the heck out of his mentions, stay the Andy heck out of his mentions. (laughs) So this season has, uh, I think fundamentally shifted a little bit how I would feel about like the chiefs drafting an interior offensive lineman in the first round of the draft this year. Like I have, I have for a long time kind of poo-pooed that. Um, but now I would rather them draft a, a center at, let's just say 32, um, over say a running back. Like, I actually I actually wouldn't mind that. And that's a weird place for me to end up.
2: You know, I, depending on where they draft, I mean, you make a good point that, you know, they're drafting late. Yeah. And in all likelihood, that may, might be really late. We'll see. And I don't really have a problem. The, the problem is, in the NFL, especially now that people have seen the success that, say, you know, the Colts have had with Quentin Nelson. Right. Um, and, and the problem is not, there's very few Quentin Nelsons out there, right? You know, these absolute dominating guys who can really alter the makeup of your entire line. And they've got a good line overall. It's not just him. Um, I wouldn't hate it because I do think it matters. Your pass protection matters Mm -hmm. when you're so reliant on your passing game. And if you just look at some other teams, like go watch a bills game. Right now, now, which I, I use that because that's where Morse went, so I've watched him a little more. But watch the number of snaps, and it's not—they're not the best offensive line in football. But you can see snaps where Josh Allen's able to just sit there and just kind of chill, yeah, and just really read the field, and then think about how often you see that with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You see Mahomes take you know one, two, three, four, five, six, seven step drop, and then sit and survey the field, yeah or a five-step drop, because they're usually in a shotgun, and, and just sits and surveys the field for multiple seconds before throwing. It doesn't feel like it's that often anymore. No, you're right. It feels like the throws are rushed. It feels like he's got to hurry it up. And so I don't mind at all investing. I, and I personally think, and I would have to ask you know, analytics guys, I think analytics backs up the idea of investing, if you've got a quarterback, of investing in your offensive line and your wide receivers. I think, that, I think the analytics backs that up. It, yeah. It's a very important facet. You want to put your franchise quarterback in a position to succeed, and maybe they do need to look at that direction. I think a lot of people are going to want to see it go to the defense, but let's face it. The defense has been great lately. So yes. Why would we do that? <laughs> yes.
0: Seriously, if they if you told me this off season, listen, I would still love for them to add another corner. Like I I mean, yes. I am going and I'm going to be banging that drum if they they could have Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson and uh, third best corner in the world, Travis Ward on the roster, and I would still be like, well, they did really draft another one cuz you never know how much longer uh, Peterson, uh, Patrick Peterson is going to hang on. Like I would I'm in that mindset for the most part. Uh, right. but yeah, I mean the 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 safeties that they brought in this off season, the difference between running out jordan lucas and I, I don't you know what i'm not even sure i know who the top two snap getters were at safety last year because there was so much of like well maybe it'll be this guy but the the difference in the safety spot from last year to this year is so overwhelming and we saw that just as clearly as as clear as day against the raiders
2: Absolutely. I mean and both obviously both Matthew and Thornhill made exceptional plays that stand out because you know you both they both had picks in the first half. Mm-hmm. Obviously Thornhill returned his for six. Uh what's worth noting, um, you know, Tony Romo did a great job breaking down Tyron Matthews pick. Yes. And I thought it was really nice because otherwise, you know, it with almost any other commentator, fans would have been like, Oh wow, well L O L car just threw it right to Matthew. Right. But that's not what happened. What happened was it was a really well-disguised coverage that he thought Mahomes makes that throw all the time. Now, again, not to the defender, Mm -hmm. but thinking that based on the coverage that they show there, thinking that he's going to have some open field in the intermediate left side of the field. He makes that throw to Kelsey all the time. Same with Hill. And so... He did a great job breaking down what they did to disguise that coverage. Here's the thing. You can't call that without a safety you trust to have great feet Mm -hmm. and exceptional closing speed, good hands, and the ability to execute it correctly. To disguise it and and break it off, recognize the throw, know when to move. You have to trust your safety. And I don't think any of the safeties on the roster last year, besides Eric Berry, when he's actually healthy, can execute that. Yeah. And so it, it's not just about the fact that he got the pick. It's about how he got the pick because his presence, Tyron Matthews' presence and Juan Thornhill's presence, allows Steve Spagnolo to do things that they just couldn't do last year with safeties that were below average at best. And so they've made a huge impact, not just in the plays they make, you know, chasing down players and all that kind of stuff. But they they make the play they make the defense better even in ways that you don't necessarily see in the coverages that allows them to play. And I mean Matthew has been a great example of that. Um another example would be Thornhill's stuff on fourth and one on that, that suite to the outside. You know, uh Romo talked about that too, where Matthew made sure, he communicated yes. him, Hey, you know, rookie you've got to get outside here. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned the
0: communication because I was was just waiting to say they like run this again. Roma was like in multiple and on on Thornhill's pick as well. I think he might have been with Bashad Breland. They're communicating before the play and then it works.
2: It's so exciting. This is a competent defense. Exactly. It is a very competent defense. It's a very good pass defense. Yeah. And I I, people still don't want to accept that for one reason or another, probably because the cornerbacks, I mean, they're not a lot of name guys. I thought I've only looked at a few snaps, but Kendall Fuller looks like he was playing like himself. He also wasn't out there that
0: much, which was also kind of odd. Like he looked he looked pretty good but was very limited. Maybe that's an injury thing. I don't know.
2: Right, right. And one I think Rashad Fenton has played better than anyone expected him to. Yeah. Um, you know, Spagnuolo likes to run some zone looks. Charvarius Ward is excellent in man looks. He's not having those same blown coverages. What we're seeing is a defense that communicates well on the back end. And if you want to complete passes against them, especially passes down the field, you've got to make good throws and good catches. Yeah. Um, the only exception is occasionally like on these rollouts that somehow still fool them every time, <laughs> and you end up with like a wide-open fullback or tight end at the flat. That's making me crazy. Yeah. But I assume they'll figure that out. Um, it, it, it's an entirely different thing, and I think the safeties are a huge part of it. But I also, I, I'm reviewing the snaps now, like I said, and this is one of the things I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the safeties' impact, which will be part of what you and I just talked about. But I also want to talk about the corners, because the snaps I'm watching, no one's open. Yeah, like this isn't this isn't like the pass rush like last year where either the pass rush got home or it was gonna be open. Yeah, You're that right. was consistently the problem. Whereas this year, I, the, the the coverage is helping the pass rush. Mm-hmm. They, I've got one video clip where you know Carr looked stay in the field, scrambled around for another like five, six seconds, rolled to the left, and just no one was open. The whole play. And I just think you're seeing Spagnolo put these guys who are – they do have some skills. Ward is a good athlete. He's got good length. He's got the ability to turn and run with guys. Fenton um, is very zone savvy. He understands where he's supposed to be. Bashad Breland's physical. He's also very zone savvy. He knows where he's supposed to be. Kendall Fuller's got great feet. These guys do have the ability to execute certain roles, and he's not just asking them to do things that they can't do based on what I'm seeing.
0: Seth, we're out of time. I have a, a question about McCole Hardman that I want to ask you, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ask you about it on Friday's episode of Times Ours, exclusive to <laughs> subscribers of The Athletic. As, as soon as I hang up on you right here, I'm going to go in. I'm going to add it to the Google Doc, and we're going to talk about McCole Hardman and what he can do against the Patriots on Sunday. That is a cross-show tease to support uh, everything that's going on at The Athletic. You can read Seth's film review that'll pop up tomorrow uh, with all sorts. If you you haven't been subscribed, you haven't been reading these, it will make you genuinely smarter without all that much work. Do you know how hard it is to do that in the world, to get significantly smarter while doing very little work? That's Seth's whole job right now. He's offering it to you all you have to do is go to The Athletic, subscribe there, and you can read all of, his, uh, all of his genius work. I think that should be your new Twitter bio, Seth. It should be like you know all of the things that you currently do, and I make you smarter for very little effort.
2: I will try to work on a way of saying that that sounds appropriate.
0: That's, yeah, that's good. And also, I don't want you to make, I don't want to make it sound like you're not working hard at it. You do the work, you do the work so they don't have to. There's something there. Yes. There's something there. I, I like,
2: I like that one. I do the work so you don't have to. I like that.
0: There we go. Right, wait, listen, Blonde Squirrel found the nut here at the end of the segment, and I'll, I'll take it. I don't, now I'm afraid to make a joke about squirrels and nut I don't know. Now, now I'm nervous. This segment should have ended two minutes <laughs> ago.
2: It all fell apart at the end, but that's okay. We had a really strong middle. Yeah.
0: You know what? Maybe that's the segment. Maybe that's just us. Maybe you and I, maybe people would say you and I have very strong middles. I'd argue that. I'd argue (laughs) that that's true. Thank you, Seth. I'm sorry that the end of this segment was so bad.
2: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: Seth Kaiser of The Athletic. You follow him on Twitter at RealMNChiefsFan. Read all the work at The Athletic. Listen to times ours Mondays and Fridays all on The Athletic. You are listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. I'll stand by
1: that. Planet is flat. (laughs) If it's not flat, it's why flat are we falling a, off? It's flat in a circular motion. <laughs>
0: what? All
1: right, that makes no sense. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what does that mean? Are we on a record player right now? Can we stop it?
1: That's what the Earth is. It's a
0: record player. <laughs> What's the record? But the record's on a player in that instance, though. What's the record player? If The, world's the record, is a record player
1: is, is the universe, and we're just on the universe is our record player.
0: That's either the most beautiful or the stupidest <laughs> oh, piece of bleep I've literally ever heard.
1: I think it's a little bit of both. And that's what makes it
0: glorious. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Rudy was back on his ridiculous bleep again during this last segment. He's just, he's just mumbling about the nuggets during commercial breaks. It's honestly like, it's disorienting. Thanks again, Seth Kaiser, for joining us. as says every Tuesday... Go read all of his work on the Athletic. Um, I told you like an hour ago. I wanted to give you like my two cents on Darwin Thompson. You got to hear Seth give his. So maybe we're better off with that. Uh, but whenever, like, I, I, I do think in that thing I mentioned that Andy Reid said on Monday, saying like, oh, you know, we were It wasn't load management for McCoy. It was load management for Darwin Thompson, and we were going to give him as much as we possibly could. Like, I do think there's something there to, like, you're in one of those rare instances with this team where you're up by a billion late in a game, you can run it, and if you don't get it, it doesn't really matter, Yeah. and you get to try to test out what this guy can bring, which, whenever you're a a team that's had trouble all year running the ball, I'm good with that, in this specific instance, even as someone will generally remind you that running the ball isn't as important as lots of people argue it is.
1: In that moment, though, and, and like, and that's what you're talking about, like, the game is like the game is over. You're just yep. r- running out clock, and yep. this is a great time to f- just to see what you have, in Darwin Thompson. Figure out like y- you see him in practice. You have an idea of, of a coaching staff. He like, doesn't what get a ton in we- practice. Though, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, you have an idea of what he can do, but now mm-hmm. you actually get see in a game and have an idea. Okay, maybe this is how he can actually help the team out in a real, like in an important game in a real moment. Like yep. it's just like that's like it was a perfect time to just be like, hey. We're just going to give this guy as many carries as we can right now, or at least as many touches as we can, you know?
0: Yeah, and he was involved earlier than that as well. Like Clearly, they're they're trying to see if there's something there as they have all these other injuries. Um, The one thing that we we mentioned a little bit earlier, and then again, we just ran out of time in the first hour, and so we went way long with Seth. So um, I haven't gotten to talk about it yet uh, outside of of, uh, leading Seth to the topic. But with the offensive line, the The running game issues are one thing because again, it's that's not the thing that you're most concerned with trying to do with this offense. But the fact that they were built to hold a pocket for Patrick Mahomes and that they have been not terribly proficient at that, paired with the fact that now it seems like, as Seth said, it seems like Mahomes is seeing ghosts a little bit here and there. That's that's a bad recipe and listen i i don't think it's worth our time to say like oh you know maybe mahomes really is having some issues here i i think that you can you can examine the worst part of his game right now without without exaggerating it into some like large issue that's going to show how he's going to fall to mediocrity cuz i i just i don't think that's worth your time but i i do look with great concern at the ghost seeing behind an offensive line that has lost his trust, honestly, as a passer. That is one of those things that can become, not not doomed to become, but over, over a period of time can become a bad habit that you then have to work out of. And again, if it does become a bad habit, I would expect Patrick Mahomes with Andy Reid's help to work out of it over time. But I would much rather him just avoid that. And and if that does show up in big moments, Mahomes can't really he can't really be it, nothing can ever really be his fault. He if Mahomes is ever less than what we saw last year, you've seen this year in a couple of spots. You see the consequences from it. He he doesn't have he doesn't have an offense that's built to to carry him at any given point. And so a couple of bad plays in a row, a couple of, of clean pockets that he bails out of in a row, or a couple of those exaggerated dropbacks that ends up leading him into a pass rusher, if that if that is your, your second and ten play after an incompletion, now it's third and seventeen. Like or or even it's just you're throwing off your back foot, doing a little fadeaway jumper pass because your momentum is going backwards, that is a legitimate problem. And so again, I I, I don't want that to be taken as me saying like that's a problem that Mahomes needs to recalibrate on and until he fixes it he's a mediocre quarterback it's none of that but it is the one thing right now that I'm most concerned about I guess
1: and it is something that like like long term like I'm like I, like I'm with you long term I don't think anybody really should be worried like I just he's given us no reason to be yep but maybe it is an issue for this year and yeah. maybe that issue ends up costing you a game in the playoffs like like you know like that it, Little th- like little things can, like, I-, I don't expect anything, like, any little thing to, like, mess Mahomes up long-term. But yeah. it can cost you a season. And that's just another year where you're like, hey, well, we-, we wasted this year. Like, last year we you last we wasted last year of Mahomes because of the defense. Right. It's very possible this year it gets wasted because, the uh, essentially, the offensive line wasn't able to keep him healthy. Yeah. And at which point, he kind of, it's just in his head that, hey, I'm getting hit a lot. I, I gotta need get the to work out outside of the structure. I've got to run a little bit more. I, yeah. Like, and even when you got a clean pocket, you're just assuming, hey, I've been getting hit all day or I've been getting hit all week, all month. Like, I've got to get out of here because typically these guys are coming. Right. Like, it, it, it's little things that just get in your head and that and can throw a lot off.
0: And again, like to something that Seth mentioned with, with uh, Josh Allen, there are times whenever he has a minute to stand back there and just mm-hmm. look around. I, the, the Mahomes hasn't gotten many of those opportunities, and when he has, like you're saying, like he's expecting that to go ex- away yep. which again is partially on the offensive line because yep. that's largely been true is that if you have a second you should still probably be moving anyway because that second is about up like yes. by the time you realize you have time it's gone and, and so that that overall that's the little ecosystem with the Chiefs that I'm probably the most concerned about and I'm frankly I would say short-term and long term because again I just I don't I don't want him to have to worry about that bad habit, and and because and I you know I I just said this with him but like I have had a different an evolving opinion on what I think about investing in the offensive line because while while Mahomes can succeed with a below average offensive line in front mm-hmm. of him. I, I don't want him to always have to.
1: It's it's about maximizing what you have with
0: him. And that's the other thing. It's two parts. Yeah. I don't want him to always have to succeed in spite of his offensive line. We've seen Aaron Rodgers yep. have to solve that problem. But secondarily, I I think his ceiling is highest whenever he's got a second. Mm-hmm. And that might seem obvious, but, like, one of the lazy, lazy, lazy criticisms about Patrick Mahomes is, oh, well, he's better moving away, moving out of the pocket than he is sitting in it. It's just not true. Analytically, anecdotally, any way you can make it, that's simply not, that's a false, that's, that, that is a straw man argument. Is a ridiculous argument. Statement I, to
1: make Yeah I think the narrative Basically just came about Because you just see More wild plays Because that's yes. just like just, You see yes. him running around a lot And making some throw on the run and, and so it looks flashier And that makes you think Oh he's obviously better at doing. And he's this. tremendous
0: at that Yeah But his best game Is whenever he gets to Hang in the pocket And mm-hmm. sit there And read And react And then there will Always be the plays That get busted Where he makes some Crazy superhuman it. throw yeah. And that's great And I love that But I would like for him to at least genuinely have the option. And right now, with some questions across the line, part of it on them, part of it on him, I worry about that relationship right now.
1: Hopefully as like now with Eric Fisher getting healthy, that will, I say he just gets used to that again.
0: Yeah. That will help out some. I had hopes of that happening against the Raiders because you had the whole bye week and, Mm -hmm. and you were all healthy and everything. And like they're having a hard time dealing with stunts, mm-hmm. and so we're going to get an excellent test of the Chiefs' offensive line against the Patriots coming up on Sunday. We can take a break. Whenever we come back, sad fans on Reddit Raiders edition. You're
1: listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe on Sports Radio 810 WHB. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club!